Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday. Uh, I have pool league tonight, so I'm excited to go hit the pool tables tonight and play strangers. That's what the league has taught me, how fun it is to compete with strangers you don't know. Uh, what's up, Patrick? What's up, Greg? Welcome to the show, my friends. Thanks, Tiger. I usually give folks about a minute or so to come into the room. Uh, a lot of guys coming off of calls. Go ahead and change your chat settings down to everyone and let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat. We'll shout out the places that we know. Kevin Stuckey in KC, you are first. Some really interesting barbecue in KC that I've had. South Dakota, what's popping? Egypt. Whoa, yo, what time is it in Egypt? Shout out to Ghana. I just left you. Uh, hey, yo, you are my people in Ghana. I love it. Houston, Texas, what's happening? Brooklyn is my favorite borough in New York. Uh, Two Boots Pizza. It's a children's place, but they got great pizza. Go in there. <laughs> Shout out Bogota. What's up? London, England, you always represent. Austin, Texas. They do it big in Texas. We know Germany is in the house. There you go right there, Patrick. <laughs> great right. stuff. Okay. Uh, everybody, welcome. Welcome to Sell Better by JB Sales, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Plain, simple, easy. It's not overly complicated. We just want you guys to be the best versions of yourself. I'm going to go ahead and launch this question right here. So this is kind of how we tailor the conversation. Uh, welcome back to Sell Better. Let us know what your role is. This is uh, what we're doing right now. Also, if you're in the chat right now, coming into the room, tell us where you're tuning in from. Shout out to LA. I see you. You're going to learn how to prospect three times faster simply by adjusting the way you manage your lists. That's what we're here to talk about today. I'm your host, James Buckley, and I'm joined by Greg Larson of Eltropy and Patrick Siebert. I think I said that correctly, didn't I? Fair enough. Good enough. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. I'm okay with good enough. Uh, so welcome back to the show. Before we get started, if you guys are looking to level up in 2023, we're definitely here to help. Sell Better now offers a membership with give you instant access to all of our training and resources. So scan that QR code on your screen or visit us at sellbetter.xyz to go learn more about becoming a member and letting us walk with you through your sales journey. Big shout out to our partners today, Apollo whoop, and Detective for sponsoring today's show. It's because of you that we are able to do this and provide this resource for all of our audience today. Uh, we have something special from Detective. This is a sales trigger personalization formula. So you can follow these three steps. I'm putting the link in the chat for you right now. These three steps to be able to craft more relevant outbound messaging. Drop in that link in the chat right now. Go get this free resource. Let me tell you a little bit about what you're going to get today. Prospecting research, research techniques. What belongs on your list? What research should you be doing? Managing a list can be difficult when you have tons of research baked into there that's like years old, right? This is a problem I've had. Uh, we're going to tell you how to put optimal, optimize your list, right? Ideal prospects, what belongs on that list, all the different pieces of the puzzle there and how they move through. And then the research machine that continues past the initial call. That's what we're going to talk about. But first, I'm going to get very tactical here and I'm going to give it to Patrick because he's going to tell you about some tech that he's been using to work his prospecting list. So Patrick, Break this down for everybody. What are we looking at first? Cool. Thanks, James. So first of all, um, I think my German colleagues will know this is a sales navigator. Most people in Germany use it for prospecting, just like the US as well, I guess. Um, so what I did here is I just gave you a breakdown of the well of some of the accounts I researched, um, I think, in the whole last six months. Um, Usually, I will just pull a CSV sheet and put, a, put in all the accounts I can find online that seems sort of intriguing to me without completely knowing if it could be interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I just put them in the list, 
add some um, info in detail, the URL links from uh, the websites, so I can upload the list on Sales Navigator. And this is pretty much the result of it. So you have all the accounts um, in one list for contacts. I usually prospect 100 to 125 accounts per quarter. Um, this is pretty much my sweet spot. So what and I'm doing I noticed that you have the account maps there on this list as well. All these accounts are mapped out so you can kind of look for the right people to reach out to, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is basically the next point. So in Germany, we usually have the problem that, it, that we don't have uh, the best well, contact data quality, but especially ah, phone quality. I think that's uh, worldwide at this point, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it's kind of good things about the US and UK, but I, I'm not too sure anymore. However, in, in Germany, it's really a big problem. So we have usually, uh, we need to use different sales intelligence tools like Zoom Info, Apollo. Uh, personally, I like Cognizant. And yeah, that, that should basically be it. So. I try to find people in these accounts above the line and below the line where I have contact data. Best case, obviously, is to have someone like a CFO or a CPO with all the contact details. Being honest here, it's not realistic anymore for the tier one accounts because these are the ones that are actually being prospected all the time. Yeah. So I prefer to go for the leads with the best contact data quality. And then I like to start top down. If not possible, I go bottom up. Basically, this is what we see here. So per account, I use well. I try to find about five leads, um, add them to the Sales Navigator list, and then I start actually um, doing my research. I prepared this yeah short breakdown of all the the questions, or some of them I usually try to answer. So. Um, headcount and revenue should be obvious. Um, you can find find out about those with well various tools. I use Zoom Info sometimes built with to get more information about the tech stack as well. Uh, first and second degree connections are especially interesting for me since I've built quite an audience on LinkedIn and I always connect with salespeople first when I when I uh, prospect a new account just to warm the account up, um, get some extra information, and you know. Um, exchange favors, so yeah. to say, also to expand the network, um, but also, yeah, to, to heat it up. Um, now, usually I cannot answer all these questions because not everyone has m and news, for instance. Um, the competition can be quite difficult to actually find and uh, get, get more information about. However, usually when I can get answers to seven to eight of these questions, it already should be a tier one or tier two account. So basically yeah. one of those accounts. Um, if it's really hard to dig in and you know you only can find out about headcounts, headcount growth, and you don't have connections, you don't have contact data, um, they don't have a huge sales team, then it's clearly something I, I just move out. Yeah. And this is basically what I do with, with uh, every single account. Seven out of 10 of these questions probably helps you to prioritize. And we're going to talk more about prioritizing a little bit later. Check these results out. It looks like there are a ton of SDRs and AEs in the room. So we appreciate the crap out of you guys coming and learning with us today. Greg, for those SDRs and AEs in the room, talk to me about this flow and the technique you've been using. What are we looking at right here? Yeah. So one of the things that we try to do, we use a product called Groove that allows us to automate the flow of our outreach. So, uh, but before I jump into this, one of the things that I wanted to, to point out is finding the right 
people to put into these flows is huge. Mm. And uh, James, there's a slide that Patrick showed, uh, just that first slide. I got you. Is his LinkedIn navigator. Finding unique ways rather than just pulling these big lists and stuff. Um, if you look up the top senior leadership changes in the last three months, two of the ways that I always look for the, the right people uh, from a buyer's perspective are new people at companies or companies that are looking for new people. Because when when I come into a company as, as a senior leader, I want to use my stuff, right? I want to use Groove. I want to use Gong. I want to use the tools that I'm used to because I have to be accountable for those things. And so if you can find these changes, that's when that's when software's changing. That's when buyers are 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 buying is not just contract cycles, but when there's turnover. So we find the right people, which Patrick uh pointed out perfectly. We're finding those key individuals, but then we throw them into the process. So if we switch back over to to that groove slide. So now we're setting up these cadences and flows and we've got the right lists. We've got the right people in there and we build this automation. So this is just a view of, you know, I come in as an SDR and I look, hey, here's all the stuff I got to do today. I got these three or four flows that I'm trying to do. I've got five or six steps. I can see who's engaging on the right side. It just puts everything into one place. So I'm organized because if you're organized, you can do so much more than if we're just or, you know, grabbing the latest stuff out of an Excel sheet or, or doing anything you can. So, um, if you switch to the next look at it, as I get into my day as an SDR, I've got all of the things I need to do. Hey, I've got to follow up with this person with a phone call, phone call, email, phone call, phone call. I can see everything that's laid out before me and I don't have to decide what am I going to do, all right? Build the list, work the list, trust the list, <clears throat> see a ton of SDRs ton of AEs that will build the list, will get it all there. And then they'll go and do something else. Oh, you know, I got to do this or I got to do that. And if you can trust your process, you'll work through all of these in half the time and you'll be on to those important things or, or get to those important things, then go work your list, but don't leave your list on hold, right? Don't ghost your list because then all of your prospects are going to start ghosting you because you're not, you're not consistent with it. For so. Sure. So the next slide here, this is, this is where I come in from, from the leadership side, analytics, always refine your process, always refine your list. I can look at this and see, Hey, we're putting a ton of people through some of these flows that green on the outside, not as much as we need, right? This isn't a live look. So, uh, as I'm doing this, I'm like, Hey, we need to refine this generic website flow because we're putting a ton of people in it, not getting a ton out, but use use the metrics even if you don't have a tool keep track of your outcomes Tre keep track of how many leads you have to put in to get a call how many calls you're making to get someone on the phone how many conversations you're having to get a demo how many demos you're setting to get a hold if you can work your system know your analytics doesn't matter if it comes from groove or just a spreadsheet that you have if you know your analytics you'll be more confident in the list and that's the biggest thing about prospecting is confidence in what you're doing. You just plow forward. So, so that's a big thing. Um, this slide shows a unique aspect of Groove that can actually do the same thing for accounts. So have you ever gotten like so intent on, I'm going to, I'm going to sell into this account and you put 20 contacts in there and you're going and going and going and they never respond. 
but you're like, I'm just going to find the next guy, the next guy, the next Keep guy. Keep going. Chase, right? <laughs> this, this view will help you understand, hey, what does the account prospecting health look like? How many contacts am I touching? When's the last time I touched someone in that account? You know, am I going too heavy? Are they actually engaged? That purple bar on the right side, they're actually responding to me. Okay, keep going. I get someone that's all yellow, just me. Nah, you know, you know, they're 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 gonna ghost me forever. So, yeah. so knowing who you're prospecting to, knowing your list is a huge value to anyone that's in that prospecting game. And all of this feeds back to that single source of truth. Tell me how this works with your list in group. So with Groove, the nice thing is my my SDRs will spend 99% of their time in Groove. They're just working the list, going, going, going. And then from my end, we set up automations and triggers and everything that push all of that information back to Salesforce. So everyone else in the company can understand what's happening. We can see website visits. We can see email engagement, phone call engagement, lead status. All of the stuff that's happening just pushes right back into Groove. And it's kind of an automated flow. As things update in Groove, they push to Salesforce. As Salesforce progresses and they move through the pipeline, it can actually push them back into Groove for nurturing campaigns or for onboarding campaigns. Anything that we're doing that we can automate and, and re repeat, we can sync between the two systems. And so now your list is actually replenishing itself. Right, we get a new lead in Salesforce. It's a VP of marketing. We've got a flow for a VP of marketing. It's just going to automatically kick back in there. New lead, new flow, new outreach, and then as we get going, the AEs reap the benefit of all that information, all that automation, and they get to to know, hey, this person's ready to engage. I'm going to jump in and do it. So SDRs feed that, marketing feeds that. The AE themselves should be feeding that because it's so easy to just put people in the top of the funnel, let your systems and your process kick them down, get them engaged, get them ready, and then you step in when when that meeting's ready to go. Well, let us know in the chat right now if you have a checklist that you work with. Yes or no, do you work with a checklist that you go by like Patrick described? And then the other piece of this puzzle is that I notice these stages in your Salesforce instance. I don't know what the first two are because they're already done, but working, unqualified, nurturing. This is my question to everyone else, and uh, I want to pass it to you guys to talk about this. When do you move someone through stages on your list? Are you even, are you even aware of the fact that your list should have different stages? Uh, who was it? It was one of you that said, People move stages based on their actions, not our actions. And that's a big confusion that a lot of salespeople have. One of you guys said that when that was hard. Patrick, talk about this for me, my friend. Um, yeah, I think we, we talked about that last time. Um, I personally, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of BAMFAM, book a meeting from a meeting. So basically, if you have a phone call, for instance, and it turns out well, but you don't book the meeting, you cannot move forward, right? So either you have to, well, you made a mistake somewhere. So either you have to call someone else or actually reach out again, um, but you cannot move forward with it because there is actually not a next step aligned. So for me, it always I always ask myself, okay, is there a specific challenge? Is there a need for a product like mine? Is there a need for specifically my product? And is it the right timing? And if I cannot answer, only one of these questions, I cannot move forward and put put it to the next step. 
Um, and throughout the whole sales process, it basically keeps the sa uh, stays the same. So uh, whenever I have the feeling it's a one-sided conversation, so I cannot book in the next call, for instance, um, I, I cannot uh, put it to the next stage. Also, yeah, because uh, be too amused. <laughs> next steps are the deciding factor, right? If you don't have next steps, you, you don't have a deal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We, we all yeah. learn it one way or the other. Yeah, stuff, right? With all the SDRs, AEs on on the call, right? How many times you got to the end of the quarter and you're like, hey, this this deal's good, this deal's good. I'm not going to be that manager, right? And be like, hey, you know, is it real? But if you're moving your pipeline through, you're moving your prospects through the list based on their actions instead of yours, you won't ever have to have that conversation again because you can, even if it doesn't close, like it's not always going to close, but you can show them, hey, this was real. They did this, they did this, they did this. You don't have to prove your pipeline because it's based off customer action and next steps instead of you saying, hey, they've got budget, they're ready, all the band, the med pick, all that stuff. If they're giving you the answers, if they're taking the action, then they'll move themselves through the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to encourage everybody that is not looking at the actions your prospects take to put more of a focus on that. I can appreciate the 4% in the room that say, I go off my feelings. I assure you that that is probably disappointing you more than it is helping you. <laughs> That's my opinion and my own experience talking right there. Uh, so there it is. Uh, let me go ahead and move to how ICP functions in a list. Uh, Patrick, you said that we need to start considering these three things. Talk to me about how they impact the way that we work our lists. Sure, sure. So for me personally, I've been selling a subscription management platform for the last year. So we usually focused on hyper growth companies like many of us, I think, because this is where the money is, right? But economy has changed. Um, a lot of people have been let go and SaaS companies like to sell to SaaS companies. So somehow it's very often the best prospects that, you know, have to figure out a new way of um, making money or even keeping the money. So uh, for me, the prospecting routine changed from, let's say, um, revenue increase or increasing of revenue to, to, to retaining customers. Mm. The ICP somehow stays the same, but it's a different story, a different narrative. So when I reach out, I need to look at actually, you know, saving costs or keeping the customers I already have instead of um, pitching this uh, idea of getting more and more customers. So it now is actually time to, you know, close the bag or the treasure basket and yeah. just, yeah. So your ICP stayed the same, but your approach changed based on what was happening in the environment, the economy, and the changes in the industry. Greg, you deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis and your product changed. So a lot changed for you on ICP. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So so right on the head, those three things, economy, environment, changes, that's what we're living in right now. Like I don't think the economy has changed in our lifetime as much as it has in the last couple of years through COVID, through financial crisis, everything. I work in fintech. SBB, all, all of this stuff causes changes to the buyer, which cause change to the ICP. And so now as the product evolves, which our product has evolved tenfold over the last two or three years into a full enterprise platform, yeah. we can now touch other departments. We can now touch other buyers in the company and we can consolidate what they're currently using. So where 
our company used to go after, you know, one or two solutions in one or two departments in a company in a, in a you know, in a fintech, uh, we can now take the whole stack. And so all of a sudden that introduces a new ICP that a lot of companies don't consider. And that's a CFO, right? Right now, if your company has 15 technologies that they're using to get the job done, I guarantee that CFO is just thinking, how can I reduce that to five? And if you have a full stack solution, you can come in and you can say, hey, you know, we can consolidate, we can provide all of this. And so if your revenue team's not constantly looking at your ICP, who else can be a champion in the company? Who else can buy? What other solutions do we have for this department, that department, and the next department? Then I guarantee in one way or another, you're leaving money on the table. Now, on the flip side of the coin, you can't just go chase every single squirrel. Like you, you sign one ballet company and all of a sudden the AEs are pulling a list of every ballet company in the world trying to sign them. That's off site, right? So you've got to be confident in your current ICP that that's, that's the bulk of your work, but you should always be exploring other things. Can we, can we figure out another niche? Can we figure out another gold vein? And if it's the AE that has to do it, that's tough. If it's the SDR that's bringing it to the table, hey, but you've got to surface those as an SDR AE frontline guy or gal, you've got to surface that information to your RevOps team, to your leadership team. This is what we're seeing. Yeah. Back it up. And if you're not doing that, then, you know, your team doesn't know those, those leaders, as much as they're on, you know, leadership calls, strategy calls, they're not frontline. And so the ICP can really develop based on frontline conversations that you're relaying up the ladder. Or, you know, if you have a gong, a chorus, some type of conversation analytic tool, just scour that stuff for that information. Yeah, it makes me want to ask the audience, how many times a week do you have a call on your calendar that is super, like you feel amped about it, only to realize that the person at that company, 10 minutes into the call, you realize this person is not who I sell to. <laughs> how many times a week does that happen to you? It's probably a three, four times a week thing for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, 70% of the time, I appreciate your honesty, John. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it is, you know? Uh, okay, so let's talk about research because... First of all, what research belongs on a list, right? And then what are the benefits of your two models? Because both of you sort of operate this in a little bit of a different fashion. I think, Patrick, when you and I talked about this, you were like, oh, I'm an AE. Like, I do my own research. And then when I pivoted over to Greg, he was like, no, no, no. I provide a lot of this information up front through my tech stack. So, Patrick, what are you looking for? How do you do research at scale? What matters to you when you're prospecting? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I usually work with PDRs. That doesn't necessarily mean that we approach the same accounts. Usually, for instance, I will reach out to an account or nurture an account for three months. If I don't get ahead with it, I just can hand it over. So it makes sense to keep the notes somewhere. And this is actually where the checklist is getting interest because I just copy it into Salesloft, uh, pin the notes to the top. For those of you who don't know, you actually can do that. Um, most SDRs know it, some AEs don't. So you can just pin the notes on Salesloft so they're always on top. You can copy in the checklist and then just go through it. With the research, I rely on different tools. Usually the, the, the well, the most common ones, obviously, um, Lucia, Zoom, and Fools, all the sales intelligence tools, but also built with nerdy data sometimes to get more information about the tech stack. We all know about the job ads, 
I don't know about you guys, but the job as used to contain more information about the tech stack that is used. Um, and you know, the, the narrative in the job is, was just more specific. I think companies just figured out that a lot of salespeople read this stuff and, uh, they, they encrypted by now a little bit at least. So, but this is something I always look into and I think most of you do as well. So I try to get a good overview of the tech stack and everything else. If I cannot get a hat and I see that I need more information, this is where the AEs or NSDRs I mentioned before come in handy. So I just, you know, ask if they would be happy to help. I'm happy to help as well if I can. So I'm starting a quick phone call with an AE, for instance, ask all my questions about the tech stack, the current processes with this CRM. And if they know how this results in a, well, a billing automation process, um, but this is, you know, how you could start below the line if the quality of information is slightly bad. Otherwise, best cases, of, of course, you have nice job ads, a good website, um, everything you need and top level contact data doesn't happen too much for me. Yeah. Top level, the contact data problem is big. I feel like we could probably do a whole show on contact yeah. data issues. I would say, Greg, what, what do you provide for people on your list that they don't have to go search for? And then what are they responsible for finding? So one of the big things for us is we integrate into a lot of, of tech stacks at, at uh, financial institutions. So they're using their, their products. Our product integrates to enhance those products. And so we use a lot of technographic information. We go and find out what our clients are using or what our prospects are using to do their daily job. And we know that we have integrations into some of those things that we can integrate, we can combine those, we can create efficiencies for them. So in our prospecting process, what I can provide to my reps is a huge tech stack map. What companies are using what, and then we can correlate some things. If you know, if I have a list where company is using, uh, you know, XYZ core processor, and they use this text messaging solution and this video banking solution, we can solve all of that and integrate together. That's a prime prime prospect for us. So surfacing those higher tiered or more likely to buy prospects up to the top. And AE can totally do that. They get on the call, they ask, hey, what are you using? Oh yeah, okay, what else are you using? What else are you using? I can take that five minute conversation down and they come in and say, hey, you know, I understand that you guys use this and then you integrate with that. What what pains are you seeing in that? What So rather than doing investigative work, they're actually doing discovery work. So it's two very different things. Asking, you know, with this, 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 we've all been a buyer in that situation. And you're just like, you know, come on, you know, like all of these just checkbox questions rather than, can we have a conversation about what, what real value you can give? And so we do the research ahead of time. So our AEs can have real value consultative discovery calls rather than just, you know, data deep dives. And then they come back and say, Hey, they're using all this stuff. Well, they don't really know what we can do yet. So, so that's the biggest difference there. And props to every AE and SDR that's out there that's doing all of this on their own because there's a ton. There, there's so many that are just, you know, workhorse because you got to do it. But if you have a RevOps team and they can surface some background data 
you can then leverage that into better conversations. Yeah. Now you have a great process for this and I want to give it to you so you can explain these three. Every leader should be taking a screenshot of this because this is a great cornerstone set of three things to build a strong prospecting culture on. Go ahead and break these down for everybody, Greg. Yeah. So, so this is just kind of a, a personal mantra for me being on the RevOps side and, and leadership is, uh, you know, in order people process systems. So you'll get a lot of people that will come in and I need this tool. I need this tool. I need this tool. You know, like you can get into this tech stack that's 20 deep and now the ROI of sales is, is kind of lost. And so the thing that we focus on that I focus on in my career is first, you have to have the right people in place, you know, hire for people, get the right people, get the people that, you know, if I couldn't give you a single tool, you're still going to succeed, right? Go sell some ice to Eskimos. I don't, I don't care how you do it. You're going to succeed. Those are the people that you hire no matter what, right? Then you take those people, you build a process, right? If you, you've heard of the term, like, you know, you, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. Right. Like if I have the horse, I've got to build a path to water, right? I've got to build a path to them going, or they're just going to bang their head against a brick wall. They're not going to be able to find it. And so we create the process of how to move a, you know, lead to cash, right? How we take a, a prospecting lead, get it all the way through the funnel. Then not until we have those two things, do we really need to care about the systems, right? The systems will help us create efficiency for those two things, but the people in the process will often get overlooked in that trio. And so that's a, a big thing for me. Like, you got to have the people, you've got to have the the process, and then you build the system to create efficiency, to help exponentially grow those two yeah. things. Yeah. The same way when you're leading, if you don't care about your people, you're right. Like everything's not plug and play. I can't just go buy gong and then every one of my sales reps is a rock star, right? You've, you've got to build the right process of coaching and training and, and follow through with those people to really leverage the full capacity of any system that you're using. Yeah. And one of those pieces of the puzzle there is that process and those systems dictate how these, how the prospects move through the stages on your list. That list right. is complementary. Uh, we're going to talk more about prioritizing that list. And I think this is part of leadership, putting in a good sales culture, which is why I wanted to touch that note. But here's my question to you. What's something that moves an account to the top of your priority list. And I'll just go ahead and start with Patrick here. Patrick, you said earlier that if you get seven out of 10 answers to that list that you use, that checkbox that you want to check, you have 10 of those, that's a good one. You're going to prioritize that. What's another thing that might propel somebody up to the top of your priority list? Uh, different approaches, actually. So for instance, a company gets funding, the competition is something that is usually just left out because people always go for the company that received the funding, right? But the others yeah. are interesting as well because they share the same industry. So this is intent data, if you will. Um, you also have zoom into intent data. Works well sometimes in Germany, um, sometimes not, but I always try it. It's, it's something I pull up every day just to check it really quick if, if something came up. Um, but other than that, I think it's at some point, just experience, not only in sales, but also with your own product. You take a look at a company, the latest news, and you instantly know, okay, is that interesting? 
or is it already oversaturated maybe? This is also something many salespeople do, I believe. Um, they look into these hyper successful, super nice companies and don't realize that these companies are actually being haunted by all these salespeople. Mm. So either you are one step ahead and figure it out before these these salespeople or you, you know, use the knowledge to your advantage and go somewhere else in the same pond, meaning going for the competition, for instance, as I mentioned. Or it's good stuff. Or yeah. Basically go, go, it's really yeah, sorry. Go, going after the competition, you know, that's part that's part of something that I think should exist on our list, right? A reason why they said no to me initially. They they're with a competitor right now. To me, that's a priority because they've just qualified themselves. Right. So now I gotta move those up. Because if you're using my competitor, I could build a relationship and potentially earn a shot at the title. That's how I usually put it. Right. And I'll just, you know, that's in on my list. I'm like, shot at the title, question mark. Right. Little note right there. Greg, talk to me about intent signals because it looks like if you look at the results, that's been the majority of what people are using to prioritize who's on their list. 31% of the people that voted said multiple hits to the site, email links, et cetera, are the things that propel accounts up to the top of their list. Talk to me about your best practices here. Yeah. So two different things there. Um, one, prioritizing who's on your list. Two, prioritizing who you're reaching out to on that list at what given oh. time. So, and, and you're hitting it right on the head there. Intent data. Why, why would we not just instantly reach out to someone that's raising their hand, someone that's on the site, someone that's engaged. And so, um, way back in the day, early in my career, um, company that I was at actually partnered with Harvard, Harvard business review. They did a study on inbound leads or people that are raising their hand. They said, you're actually 400% more likely to close the deal. If you can get to them within five minutes of them raising their hand you know, demo request, page for it. So a chat like that, right? Um, huge thing. And so that's where all these sales engagement tools kind of started of like, hey, if we can surface that information, if uh, one of the previous screenshots, like, hey, these guys just opened the email. They just clicked on a link. They just, all these cookies that are throwing in there. Um, my big thing is I get a lot of people that'll see that and they're like, oh, cool. They pull up an email and send it, right? When do I look at my email? right? Twice a day, three times a day when I know I, I can be distracted by stupid stuff like that. So, right. you know, when I'm trying to affect the business, I'm not going to go look at my email. But if you can pick up a phone and, and get in front of them while they're on your website, that's top priority Yeah, right? before your competitor does it. Because if I'm looking at a, you know, let, let's say if I'm looking at a sales engagement tool and I go look at one tool, I'm then going to look at the next one and then I'm going to look at the next one. And I might not talk to all of them, but if I can, you know, all of have three options, if you can get me before I go to the next one, then I'm engaged, right? I'm talking and everything. So moving people up your priority list and engagement should all be based on intent signals, zoom info, lead feeder deal, which is now deal front, all of these sites that can surface, Hey, they're on your website right now. Um, they're on this page. They're on that page act on that information and it feels a little creepy at first but you're actually you're you're meeting them where they're at they're they're there right now go meet them there have the conversation don't have it tomorrow don't have it three days from now when they've totally forgotten because they have 17 other priorities from the ceo go meet them where they're at 
But then prioritizing your list, this is one thing. If you have a RevOps team, if you have a data analytics team, ask them for one report and, and this will help you prioritize your list. Go ask them to give you a list of the titles of every single decision maker that bought in the last year. Right, go go pull a closed one report, go get the primary contact, pull the title, and then sort it. See if your assumptions are right. They should be doing that already, but that's how you develop that ICP. Who was the decision maker or who signed the contract? Find those things out. And that's one report, and that'll take 10 seconds for a RevOps person or an analytics guy to pull. And then you go pull your own data. Hey, there's 34% are this title. Go search that title. Right. That's that's something I've found in my career. Just one report is pretty basic, but it can help you point in the right direction. I want to get some questions in the QA. We've got a couple coming in right now. I saw a lot in the chat. Patrick, I saw you shaking your head. What's a strategy you want to add to that? I see you. Uh about intent data. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Actually the yeah. well, the the second deal I closed in my career was basically what Greg just said. So I pulled a report of all the CFOs uh that came to a decision or signed a contract with us. And Funnily enough, Colt called a CRO within this company and he wasn't too happy with uh, the product when he, he bought it at the last company, but I could turn it around and actually close the deal. So uh, top-notch advice here from Greg. That is why yeah. I'm not Good stuff. Uh, I want to talk about how these lists change as deals progress. Uh, so how does a list uh, and I, I give a good example, Patrick, you have a green fields, but you only choose about a hundred prospects to go for. Uh, once that list of a hundred is made, as you make progress through those deals, how do you alter the list to make sure that people are moving in the right direction? You know, all of the stages they're at, what changes about your list as the deal progresses? Yeah, I, I actually work, it, it sounds old school, but I work with a color system basically in my CSV files. So whenever a, an account gets, you know, boring or just turns out to be bad, I just move it out. I update the list immediately with a new account. Uh, mark it as green when I, um, when I book a meeting or when I close a contract, I, you know, mark it just light green. Also to motivate myself because I can actually see movement in my list. Um, the ones that turn out to be, let's say, orange, yellow, so I'm not too sure about that. Usually I share these with my BDR just so he gets, you know, fed with accounts as well. Doesn't have to do all his research on his own, but we work these tier two accounts usually together. Tier one accounts are reserved for myself and the tier three accounts can turn to tier two accounts, but, uh, I think we all can agree that usually this, is, this doesn't happen. So. I, I'm very, very, yeah, specific about that and just move them up. Yeah. Uh, Greg, we had a question here from Henry, uh, as far as a checklist or a template of, uh, or something you're, you want to share about, you know, the things that matter most for you, he wants a checklist of his own. What would you suggest Henry put on that checklist? Are we talking, uh, of who to put on the, on the prospect list or yeah, who belongs on my list? That's great. So I, every industry is different. Every company is going to be different. But what I've seen is you kind of, Patrick talked about this earlier, like above the line, below the line, you're going to have two lists. One, you're going to have kind of an above the line list. These are your decision makers. 
people that you need to get on your side to get the deal closed. So title, seniority level, uh, things like that fall into that uh, and department that you're buying into. Below the line, these are your business users. These are your champions that, I mean, champion can be on either side, but someone that's going to push the initiative because they're using it on a day-to-day basis. Things like technographic data, what systems are they using? What companies have they been at in the past? You know, what efficiencies can you give them? Those things in your list, you know, they're going to help you build a use case. They're going to build a value proposition to take above the line. Now, I always like to start at the top, right? If I can get a CFO, a CMO, whatever, whatever kind of vein of a company you're prospecting into, if you can get them to pass it down, 99% hit right there. Anytime my CEO sends me an email and says, Hey, can you take a look at this? I'm like, nah, you know, we're good. You know, like, like you're going to take a look at it. Right. And so, so start high and work your way down, but then go back up. Don't like the first thing you should do. If you get a hit below the line is work back up above the line Mm. because you don't want to get pigeonholed down below the line where you're just pitching to a business user and then they, they go internally and get shot down. So building lists on both sides is really big because even if you hit below the line, you want to know who the other people are above the line. Map that account out. And so from from a list perspective on who should be on your list, title, seniority, buying opportunity, you know, your your basic band, like who's a who's in charge of the budget. Um technographic data is is a really big thing in most industries. Like what what are they using that you can replace, that you can enhance, that you can improve? Yeah. Um, I, and then I story for that. Yeah, scoring is a good thing to talk about too. I mean, everybody's got that ideal client that's an enterprise. You know, you're going to personalize and customize everything about that. Then there's that sweet spot. And then there's those small potatoes out there, right? You have to have three lists, if you will. Uh, maybe they're all on the same list, but they're segmented out into segments. You want to be able to know which one is which based on looking at your list and where they are. Uh, I noticed that Anonymous, shout out to Anonymous, thank you for asking. Uh, besides the website, what other intense signals do you use? You said open emails or link clicks. I'm big. If I have a phone number, I'll reach out to somebody and I'll call them when I see that they clicked on their link because most of the time they're sitting right at the desk. All right. Uh, tell people how they can connect with you. Uh, we'll start with Greg. Greg, where can people go to learn more from you, connect with you, find out more about what you do? Yeah, most active on LinkedIn. Um, so you can search me out on LinkedIn. I'm the only Greg Larson on the entire platform. So it'd be easy to find me. Uh, <laughs> no, so most people can, yeah, just LinkedIn. I think my tag on there is like Greg Larson one at the end, but uh, you can find me there. Um, I'm active on Twitter, but it's usually not super work related. Uh, you want to talk baseball, Twitter's the place to go. Uh, Utah just announced they're trying to get a baseball team. So anyway, LinkedIn's the best place to get me. That's it right there. Patrick, where can people go, connect with you, learn more, talk to you about what you do? Uh, same here. LinkedIn is the place to be. Um, you you don't want to follow my Instagram, I believe. And it's going to be 200 followers or something and one picture. So it's more or less, seems like a fake account, actually. <laughs> I, so, so for me, it's LinkedIn as well. Um, I All try right. to be responsive. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not, not always possible. So if you, if you send me a DM, I will definitely answer. It just sometimes takes a little bit of time. 
I think you're the first guest we've ever had that was like, don't follow me on Instagram. That <laughs> 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 almost never happens at this show. I want to thank you guys for coming out, investing in yourself. Remember that you're the reason that we put all this stuff together. You are the tip of the spear, the first impression, the thing that matters most when it comes to revenue generation and new logos at your company. We're here to help you. Don't forget you can learn more about us by following us on social, sellbetter.xyz on Instagram. Also, go to the new website, see what membership gets you. This is a different experience. We want to walk with you long-term through your sales career and grow with you as a sales professional as you progress. We'll talk to you soon. I hope everybody has a great great day. Get out there and make somebody smile today. Don't wait. It will make your day. It will make theirs and you'll be all the better for it. What you get out in the universe is what you put into it. We'll see you guys next time on Sell Better by JB Sales.